All right. One of my personal favorite songs to sing while I'm driving along the road is uh, I Waited for the Lord on High. I don't know if you know that song. Many of you, if you're older believers, you know that song. It's like one of the best songs ever. And it's such a great song. Just the way it, you know, the, 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 ch- the change between the, the chords, minor and major chords, uh, A minor, E minor, but also there's bright chords. And it just, but the, the music just fits the, the lyricism so well. And the song is, I waited for the Lord on high. I'll spare you singing it so I won't ruin your morning, you know. But I, I waited for the Lord on high. I waited uh, and he heard my cry. He pulled me out of my despair. He taught me how to walk from fear into security, from fear into security, from quicksand to the rock. I sing to let the people know that I have been restored and they will kneel and understand to return to trust in the Lord. And there's a new song in my heart to sing. There's a new song, praises for my king, I waited. And of course, that song right there is based upon Psalm 40. And I love Psalms, and a lot of my favorite songs are that because they're not only great songs, but they're right out of the scripture. And Psalm 40 reads like this. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. I love that because the psalmist is in this slimy pit, also called the pit of destruction in the NASB. Uh, the, the, the word can be translated pit of noise. Uh, these were pits uh, sometimes. The metaphor that she uses of a pit uh, that's a slimy pit that's created to or dug out and, and fashioned to capture wild animals, harmful animals like lions, wolves, and what have you where it'd be really hard for them after they got in to get out and there'd be a lot of noise and crying and so forth. And here the, the psalmist uses the metaphor of this slimy pit where he can't get his footing because he's slipping all over the place and it's just noisy, it's just raucous, it's just terrible, there's no hope. And how the Lord, he had to wait upon the Lord and the Lord delivered him from that pit. And that pit, that metaphorical pit, is a picture of the slimy pits we find ourselves in pitiful situations, miserable type situations, situations that could uh, be a result of our own sin, as appears to be the context in Psalm 40, uh, with regard to Psalm chapter 40 that we just read, or circumstances where you're just going through persecution or just a very hard trial in your life or what have you. But the answer is always the same. You need to cry out to the Lord before you can be delivered from the pit. And a lot of believers wonder why they're in the pit and why their lives are in the pits so often, and they don't get out of those pits. And it's because they don't cry out to the Lord. They don't wait on the Lord. I waited. And the name of this message is called Learning to Wait Upon the Lord. Learning to Wait Upon the Lord. Can you actually say that part of your Christian experience and part of your Christian life is to wait on the Lord? Do you know what it means to wait on the Lord? That's a biblical concept we see throughout Scripture over and over again. And it's not very commonly talked about, unfortunately. And in the Western mindset, a lot of us in the West, you know, we want instant gratification, you know. We've got some food to eat, man, and it's cold. Oh, there's a microwave, you know. We need money, up. Oh, we just, you know, use the card. We, you know, and we, people are so used to getting what they want right away, and they don't realize the value of waiting. 
and waiting upon the Lord, which is very, very important. But you know what? Waiting is a huge part of life. We wait at traffic lights for them to change. We wait for a meal to be prepared. Uh, we wait, you know, for a, a, a package to come from Amazon. We wait to fall asleep, you know. We wait for a lot of different things in life, you know. Uh, and I think it's important that we understand that uh, if you don't wait, you don't get a lot of things, right? Uh, we wait in doctor's offices to see the doctor. I've been doing that a lot lately, unfortunately. Uh, but you know what? What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? In one of the beautiful passages on waiting on the Lord, which I'll really take up more in part two of this series, it's just a two-part series, because I really believe the Lord wants to develop this in us more. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. How many of you want new strength? <laughs> How many want to mount up on, the wings, on wings like eagles? Amen. How many want to run and not grow weak and tired, you know? Well, you got to wait on the Lord. There's no mounting up on the wings of eagles unless you are waiting on the Lord. And so many Christians are, are under the circumstances instead of soaring like eagles above the circumstances because they fail to wait upon the Lord. So it's critical that you learn and you know what it means to wait on the Lord. People wait for all kinds of things, but sadly, they don't wait for the most important thing. They don't wait on the Lord. And it's important that we understand what this means because if, a, if as Christians we go through a, a trial or what have you, we could get out of sorts if we don't experience almost immediate deliverance. And that's not the way God works. Sometimes he does work with immediate deliverance, but oftentimes he calls, calls us to wait upon him. And he does this for a lot of reasons. And I want to talk about those reasons. The Hebrew word translated here in Isaiah 40, verse 31, to wait is kwava. And it means to wait, to look for, to hope, to have expectation, you know. And it's a very important word. And we need to make sure we are waiting upon the Lord. This message is on my heart. I want to, I've actually got two messages prepared. Worked on both of them yesterday. I got most of both of them done yesterday. And uh, because a few days ago, I came down with COVID. And uh, Tuesday is when uh, I really experienced that, that first real bad day, you know. A couple days before that, I was like, do I have this, man? And I was uh, wondering about it. And I was heard that you're going to be just wiped out for, you know, up to five weeks or more. Two really bad weeks and then a lot of fatigue and stuff. And, and of course, uh, I'm going to let you in a little window of the framework from which I was looking at, which really called me, caused me to wait on the Lord in, in, in really deep ways, in ways that I believe the Lord was really just getting my attention. So you can understand a little bit more of... Uh, by way of maybe of example of what it means to really try to wait on the Lord. And I'm just a believer like everybody else who's trusting Jesus, but uh, you're forced into these experiences and you learn some lessons, you know. And I've learned to wait on the Lord through the years, but there was, this was a waiting unlike <laughs> waiting I had done before in some respects because my life, as far as I understood, was on the line. I know it sounds hard to believe because I'm up here and things seem great right now, but who knows? I don't know, uh, one day for the next, unless the Lord makes it clear to you, but I know where I'm going, I know who I'm trusting. Uh, but about, I don't know, six months ago or so, uh, bro Brother Jonathan Ball, our Blessed Oak pastor in Texas, great, great brother, great pastor, love that guy so much. Uh, he had a crazy dream. It was so vivid, he wanted to share it with me, 
because he said it was so vivid one that you wake up to. And I had died in his dream, you know. And, uh, and I'm grateful he shared it because he felt it could have been from the Lord, but maybe not. He wasn't sure. Maybe the Lord was just going to use it in a certain way. But he said he saw me. I was in glory. I'd, I'd been in, I was in the heavenly kingdom. And that was made clear to him. And I was like rejoicing and so forth. He said, but uh, Lisa, my wife, was distraught, you know. And he said he was encouraging her. Are you going back to church now, you know, and so forth. And he just said it was a really heavy dream. He wrote me this, one of the sweetest letters I've ever read to encourage me and so forth. So that kind of hit me out of left field, you know. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm not going to be here. Maybe the Lord's taking me. This is interesting. Uh, you know, he, said, he didn't say it was prophetic necessarily. He just said it was so powerful. And I thought, that's interesting. Uh, I'll keep my eyes open, my head on a swivel, you know, but if the Lord's going to take me, he's going to take me. But uh, unbeknownst to me, right around that time, I went into silent AFib. And that meant my heart was racing 100 miles an hour, but it was silent, so I had no idea it was something I needed to correct. I had no idea my heart was racing and that uh, my heart was wearing down. And it wasn't until, you know, four or five months after that at least, the cardiologist told me I could have been in AFib for even longer, but I know at that point, because I, had a, uh, I was going to give blood way back then, and they wouldn't take my blood because they said, you're like a beat off, you know, and I, needed, I should have checked that out then, but all these months went by later, we were re-upping our life insurance, they looking at my blood, there was creatinine in my blood, and my, liver, my kidneys were weak and what have you, got checked out further, found out that, wow, um, my uh, primary doctor was like, Joe, you're an AFib. You know, found out that the AFib with the heart is what, and my heart wasn't working properly, even though it's going so fast, it's also slushing rather than instead of that boom, boom, that, 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 you know, that beat that actually does the really good pumping. So it wasn't pumping my creatinine levels and all that stuff was not working. So that affected my, that's what, that's what affected my kidneys apparently. And my heart had been worn down to my, my kidneys, they say right now, 40, 50% or so, uh, or 30, 40%. And then my heart is like 34% working. <laughs> and I say all that because I'm like, wow, this is really crazy. But the two cardiologists I've been seeing, both of them warned me, do not get COVID. If you get COVID, you're in the highest risk factor to die. So, of course, I don't want to get COVID. I was taking extra precautions. Even on Thanksgiving, I sat outside in my, cooked, I barbecued a turkey outside. I smoked a turkey. And then I just hung out outside. But... I was around family members prior to that who had already been exposed to it, unbeknownst to me. Uh, and I apparently, I don't know when exactly I would have gotten it, but I do know a week ago today, today's Sunday, uh, I had isolated myself from my wife because she was having uh, symptoms. And she was not only symptomatic, but she was tested with being positive with COVID. So I thought, okay, I need to make sure I don't get this COVID. So I drove quite a ways away, isolated. And you know what? Uh, I think it was Monday or so, Sunday or Monday, I began to experience that itchy throat, cough, incredible lower back pain, uh, fever, all sorts of things. And I thought, oh Lord. So I was crying out to him. And it really caused me to wait upon him in intense ways, you know, and you know, you spend the night, or if you're like me, you might wake up and you seek the Lord, you cry out to him and stuff. This was different. This was where it was like an incredible pressing in because I was like, Lord, if I have COVID and they're saying don't get it, and one of my cardiologists said your heart is too weak to survive COVID. 
uh, that was a huge concern to me, of course, because, you know, I love my, love my family, love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Want to be here for my grandchildren as they're starting to get older, especially right now, to help navigate them and keep them on the straight and narrow. Want to be able to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ as the world gets darker and be here for each other and all that, you know. So, of course, be there for my wife and my children and all my brothers and sisters. So that became a huge concern. So I spent a lot of that, you know, uh, Monday night, it was really intense. That's when I had incredible back pains, man. It was excruciating. And uh, throughout the night, I was just crying out to the Lord, sometimes lifting my hands, you know, sometimes tears, you know, streaming down my cheeks, you know, uh, just seeking him and asking him his will and asking him to help me just accept his will because I felt like Paul, a lot like Paul, where he said, I'm torn between two desires, Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. And one of those desires is to go be with the Lord, which is very much better. But he said, but my other desire is to stay here with you that I may bear more fruit. And I, had, I could totally sense that, you know. But hey, I'm not that old. I'm 57 years old. I thought, Lord, why would I go this young? But, you know, you know infinitely, Father knows best, literally, amen, infinitely better than us. So whatever your will is, I submit to it. Even though rationally in my mind I was good with whatever your will is, Lord, I'm good with. I didn't have the peace that passed that human understanding. I had the rational knowledge, okay, this is where I'm at. But I wasn't sure what the Lord's will was. And obviously I'm still not totally sure. But I, by, by the grace of God, I'm doing remarkably better. And we'll see what happens, you know. Uh, because those around me got, all got laid out, you know. Uh, my family members and, every, you know, and a lot of them are young, laid out for, you know, just couldn't even get up for it. And I'm like, why did I not get? So, but that, that first day though, you know, I was dealing with some pain and stuff and I was dizzy driving from Santa Barbara out here to see if I had it, uh, hour and a half drive, trying to make sure I didn't faint on the freeway. Heart medication already makes me dizzy. COVID makes you even more dizzy. Those together. I see my pr primary care doctor and uh, he says, Joe, you have all the symptoms for COVID. It's all around you. You have it, you know. But then I went and took a test. Uh, my daughter Holly was kind enough to meet me down there. And because I could not even want to get out of that car. I was so tired. And you have to stand in line for, they said, up to two hours. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And that worked out because uh, I ended up coming back positive that night. And that was Tuesday evening. And I had got some medication and stuff that I was going to start taking Wednesday at 9 a.m., but I, get, again, waited on the Lord, sought the Lord. And then, you know what? Wednesday morning, long before I started my medication, I woke up, I don't know, 6.30 or so, and I felt so good. I felt so refreshed. I felt like, what in the world? I feel better than normal, you know? And it was really crazy. I'm like, what in the world, Lord? Like, I just feel so good, you know? I had started a little bit of the back pain, but nothing like the day before. And I'm like, Lord, I haven't even taken the start of the medication yet. And I just felt like, I felt like I could get up and just run, you know? Uh, although, if I did run, I'm sure I'd be wiped out, you know, five minutes later, you know? It's one of those things, you know? But the Lord was shielding me, I believe. And I knew I had a ton of people, by the grace of God, my brothers and sisters praying for me. And I really credit the Lord's grace, His mercy, because of my situation and the prayers of the saints to getting me through this time. But... It's critical that we learn to wait upon the Lord, 
that we don't just take things in stride, that we invite the Lord and his power and invite him to act in the midst of our circumstances and our situations. Because without his grace, uh, given what the cardiologists were saying, I, I could be in incredible trouble, but by his grace. And that's all of us. That's you as well. There's all kinds of things that you face that are beyond us and beyond our lives or beyond our power, beyond our wisdom, but that we must meet in the wisdom and the power and the life of the Lord. Amen? So I want to talk about waiting on the Lord and what it means to wait on the Lord more in this message. And I want to encourage you to uh, seek Him and understand this is a good thing, guys. We're not alone in this world. If you've come to Christ, you belong to Him. He said, I am the good shepherd. Amen? He has us in our hand, His hands. He says, no one can take us out of his hands. Neither height nor depth nor principality or power nor any other creative thing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. If you are trusting Jesus, you have this sense of, or ought to have a sense of beautiful security, but also he relates to us as a father and he wants us to cry out to him. And he wants us to cast our cares upon him. And part of waiting on the Lord is casting your cares upon him. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, humble yourselves therefore under, the, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Or as a lot of translations say, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. That's, that's so powerful. Sometimes we take it for granted. I remember the, when the fellowship was new. And, you know, and by the way, <laughs> uh, one of the reasons I thought, well, maybe the Lord is taking me was because so many things had come to resolution this is our 30th anniversary right now. We've been around 30 years, and the fellowship started by meeting at our home. 30 years later, we were meeting at our home regularly because of COVID. It was like full circle. It's just been so beautiful in many ways. Uh, my mom, who I'd want to spend more time with because I've been just so busy lately, started living with us for a month or two. She moved to or went to visit Idaho. We'll see if she stays out there. Got a couple texts from her recently saying she wants to come back and, and, and stay with us. But then I hear that she also says she wants to stay there. So mom, whatever you want to do, that's great. We love you. She's got two uh, great daughters out there. Another great daughter here. And another son, Josiah. Or uh, Tom, I should say. I was going to say another great son, but I didn't want to call myself great. But Tom's a great son, you know. I try to be a really good son. <laughs> but... Uh, but I thought, wow, it's interesting. My mom's living with me right now, too. This is so strange. And some people came out of the woodwork that, that you know, hadn't seen for years that was like brought resolution to some things. It was just so beautiful. I was like, wow, Lord, this is, if there was ever a good time for you to take me, it's like in the fullness of life and, and it, you know, with the exception of the fact that I'd love to do a lot more for you when I would be here for my family and stuff, I could see this being why you would maybe take me because it was like a really rounded, beautiful 30 years. But of course, there's more to it than just, which is important that just the church is, but there's also my, my lovely wife who I just love so much and my children, grandchildren, all my brothers and sisters. So uh, I was casting my cares on the Lord because I knew he cared for me and saying, Lord, you told me to cast. And sometimes I'll remind him, and you see that in the scripture sometimes, of what his word says, not that he needs a reminder. It's more for us than him. But you say to cast your cares upon, our cares upon you because you care for us. And then Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, but in everything, by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I think it's amazing because that promise there is that when we can't, not to worry about anything, but everything we're supposed to bring to the Lord with prayer, thanksgiving, supplications, or pleadings. Uh, and the, God, the Lord God will give us peace that passes human understanding, human comprehension. Meaning the world can't get their brain around it. We can't get our brain around it if it wasn't but by the grace of God. It's, it's peace that does not seem to fit the circumstances because it's a supernatural peace God gives. And it's really a peace whereby God steps in and re- reveals himself in a more powerful way, in a more tangible way that we may experience on a, even a feeling level to a degree, or we may not, but it's a supernatural, miraculous thing. And we can't experience that kind of peace if we're not casting our cares upon him. We can't be mounted up on the wings of eagles if we don't cast our cares upon him as we read earlier. We can't be delivered from the pit if we're not waiting upon the Lord. So it's important that we wait upon the Lord. And God will allow us to go through things for a myriad of reasons. He'll allow us to experience the, the worst of trials, even to the point of death. Paul said he despaired of life, even unto the point of death, that he might learn that his sufficiency was of God. And God will allow us to go through things so so, so such radical things so we recognize we have to look to him. We have to trust him. The Bible says judge yourself so you won't be judged. So it's really important that you, ju- that you seek him now so you don't have to go through the worst types of trials to come to know him. Not that they'll be sp- you'll be spared those. Job was the most righteous man on earth and he went through the worst trials of any man in, I believe, the Old Testament. But it's interesting because when you go to Psalm chapter 27 and if you have your Bible, or you have, you know, a cell phone or what have you. Go to Psalm 27. I want to look at what it means to wait upon the Lord there. Because we read in verse 14 of Psalm 27. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be, take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Now, a lot of times people think of waiting as something that's just totally passive. That you just kind of twiddle your thumbs, just hang out, sit there. But that's not what the Bible talks about. That's more of a Western mindset when it talks about, people. we talk about waiting. Biblically speaking, waiting upon the Lord is a very active place to be. It's somewhere you're actually seriously pressing on in the Lord, prayerfully seeking to know the Lord. So waiting on the Lord isn't just sitting there waiting for something to happen, but it's actively seeking the Lord. And I think this is important. And we learn from chapter 27 where it says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. We learn from that psalm, 10 things I found in that psalm. I've gone through with a fine-tooth comb, so to speak, to where I came up with 10 different things that I see the Lord's supplied to help us understand what it means to wait upon the Lord. First of all, waiting upon the Lord means to pray. Psalm chapter 27 The entire psalm is a psalm of David's prayer. So waiting upon the Lord is not just twiddling your thumbs, it's seeking the Lord in prayer. It's all about prayer. This entire chapter is about prayer. So number one, it's important to understand that when we're waiting on the Lord, we're praying. We're talking to him. We're not only giving our requests, we're also waiting to hear from him or resting in him, but we're, we're actively seeking him in prayer. And that's huge. Really, really, really important. It means you're casting your cares upon him. And I think it's very important because it's through prayer 
that we get to know our father better. Amen? If you don't talk to somebody, you're not really going to know them. Can you imagine a husband and wife getting married and how the relationship would be that day after their marriage if they never talked to each other for the next 10 months? Wouldn't be much of a relationship. They wouldn't really know each other. But we'd come to the Lord and we pray and we talk to him. And when we're in God's waiting room and we're going through a trial and we're in his waiting room, we don't just twiddle our thumbs. We seek him. We talk to him. When you go to a waiting room to see a doctor, oftentimes you fill out information and you let him know your situation. You fill out all kinds of you know, long paperwork sometimes to let him know where you're at so he can help you. Well, in a similar way, we cry out to God and we let him know what we're going through as we wait upon him. And he shows up and he delivers. And the reason we pray and God wants us to pray is because he created us to know him. You were created to know God. Your success as a person should not be measured in the kind of job you have, how pro much prosperity you have, or how successful you appear to be in the eyes of other people. Your success as a person is based upon knowing the Lord, whether you know him or not. Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That's heavy when you think about it. Jeremiah says, don't let the wise man boast in his wisdom or the rich man boast in his riches or the strong man boast in his strength. Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows the Lord. Amen? In fact, we were created to know him. We were created by him and for him. Colossians 1.16 says that, uh, uh, that he created all things and they've been created through him and for him. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, and we exist for him. Our lives belong to the Lord. We wait upon him that we get to realize that more and understand that more and not live independently in him, of him and have to get disciplined to the point where we have to realize, man, I need to give it all to Jesus. Second, the second lesson in this psalm is to what it means to wait upon the Lord is to have confidence and trust the Lord. Uh, to put your trust in the Lord. To wait upon him means to put your trust in him, that you're going to lean on him, that you're going to put faith in him, that you're going to recognize that he is good, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he wants, to, he wants to act on your behalf to his glory. And that doesn't happen unless you come to him by faith. Psalm 27, 1 through 3 says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom should I dread? When evil doers came, uh, upon me and devour my, to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. Well, how did this, the psalmist overcome fear of his enemies and trust the Lord? Even if the enemy encamped around him and it looked like just like they did around the Jews, the Israelites at the Red Sea, he puts his trust in the Lord, he seeks the Lord puts his confidence in the Lord. He waits on the Lord. And by waiting on the, Lord, on the Lord, you're able to expel fear. If you have the fear of men, if you have the fear of things of this world, wait upon the Lord and your confidence will grow, your faith will grow. The third lesson we learn from this psalm about what it means to wait upon the Lord is that as we get close to the Lord by waiting upon him, we have the anticipation of our eternal rest in the Lord. So when we wait upon the Lord and we get closer to him, we see the bigger picture and we get to rejoice in the fact that we're going to be with him forever. Psalm 27, 4. This is a psalm we're studying. One thing I have asked from the Lord, I love this passage. We have, it's another beautiful song, by the way. One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. It's amazing. 
So the Lord allows us to meditate in his temple, to grow in him, to learn spiritual lessons. You remember sometimes when you wait upon the Lord, it seems like, well, he's late. God never says oops. God's never late, okay? Remember in John chapter 3, the apostle John tells us about how Jesus had shown up in the eyes of Mary and Martha late to heal their brother Lazarus, who was severely sick and had terrible symptoms and was about to die, and then he ends up dying. And then Jesus doesn't come until the fourth day. He's been dead for four days, and they're a bit upset that he didn't show up sooner. But Jesus said that this has happened for the glory of God, that God would reveal his glory. And the Lord raised Lazarus from the dead to show his power. And sometimes we go through things and we wonder why the Lord doesn't show up sooner. But oftentimes it's because he has a plan whereby he wants to radically show his glory. Where if he showed up earlier, it wouldn't have been much a display of glory by way of comparison to what he has planned. That's often what goes on. And in that place, we learn in John eleven twenty five, Martha said, you know, uh, he, she said, you know, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of life. He that believes me will not die, but even though he's dead, he shall live. And uh, we read that he said, he said, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. So God's taking care of Lazarus didn't shock him. Jesus was like, oh no, he died. What am I going to do? In Psalm 139, verse 16, we read, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So guess what, guys? Right? There it is again. Lazarus' days were already numbered by the Lord. He already knew. Didn't freak him out, but he had a plan. Your days are numbered as well. My days are numbered. So we need to go to the Lord that we might rightly order our steps. Number fourth, to wait on the Lord means to trust in his faithfulness and deliverance. Psalm 27 verses 5 and 6 says, From the day of trouble, he will consume me in his tabernacle. He will hide me in the secret place of his tent. He will lift me on a rock. Sounds a lot like Psalm 40 when he said I waited. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I, will, uh, and I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing yes. I will sing praises to the Lord. So we learn to trust in the Lord's faithfulness as we wait upon him. And we get, and we get to see his faithfulness as he was faithful to Lazarus. Fifthly, when you wait upon the Lord, to wait upon the Lord means to cry out to the Lord. To cry out to the Lord. The Lord wants us to be more passionate as human beings that are made in his image. He wants to, us to know him. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, first couple of verses, that we're to cry out to the Lord like newborn babes who long for the pure milk of the word. So it's a cry out for God's word. And so it's important that we learn what it means to cry out to the Lord. Verse 7 says, Hear, Lord, when I cry. This is chapter 27, verse 7 of Psalms. Hear, Lord, when I cry with my voice. And be gracious to me and answer me. So what does it mean to, to wait on the Lord? It means to cry out to him. Number six, it means to seek him. To wait upon the Lord means to seek him. To seek his presence. To seek his will. 27.8 of Psalms says, When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, I shall seek you. I shall seek your face, Lord. So that's, that's important. We need to be seekers of the Lord. You can't simply give him lip service. You need to seek him. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 12 says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. 
You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. That's another really good song that Brother Doug from our fellowship wrote. When you seek me with all your heart, you'll be found in me. Right from this passage of Jeremiah. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore you from captivity. And it goes on. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said in verse 7, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And the word seek in the, in the Greek there is the present tense. Seek and keep seeking and you will find. Hebrews eleven seven. What a great ver- verse 6, I should say. What a great verse. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is rewarder of them who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Number seven, waiting on the Lord means to seek to learn the ways of the Lord. So we wait on him. We're saying, Lord, give me direction. Show me your ways. Correct me if my, the path, I'm off the path in any way. It means to really cry out to him. Verse 11 says, teach me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct and teach you in the way you should go. Isaiah 30, uh, 30 verse 21 says, this is the way, walk in it. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's important that as we're seeking the Lord in our trials, we're waiting upon him, that we don't waste our trials. And we, I hate being in waiting rooms and having nothing to do and, not take, and just losing time. So I always try to bring books. I try to pray, try to talk to the Lord, maybe memorize scripture or what have you, depending on where I'm waiting. Well, same thing is with your trial. Don't waste your trial. When you're going through a trial, seek the Lord. Learn and grow so you don't have to go through that whole trial all over again because you've missed the lesson. Amen? Romans 5, 3 and 4 says, And not only this, but we also rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proving character, and proving character hope. So when we're in the waiting room of trials, that's where we can grow. And use it as an opportunity to grow in the knowledge of the Word and intimacy with the Lord and, and, and praying to be used by God, praying to, Lord, how could I be a blessing to other people? How can I help other people that are going through things right now and, and be a blessing and what have you? Number eight, to wait upon the Lord means to cry out for His protection from your enemies. Verse 12, do not turn me over to the desire of my enemies for false witnesses have risen against me and the violent witness. So we're supposed to seek him and cry out for his protection. So in the midst of your waiting, you cry out for protection from your enemies. It's beautiful as well. Nine, to wait on the Lord means to have an expectation of seeing his goodness. See the manifestation of his goodness in the land of the living. Verse 13 says, I certainly believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So when you're waiting on the Lord, you have an anticipation that God is good. And because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because he made you in his image. Because he loves you and wants you to know him. And he wants to bless you and he wants to manifest his grace and goodness in your life. And we see that most off, most in the cross of Christ and how God became a man to show forth his grace and pain for our sins. Number 10, the last one. To wait on the Lord, and this is an important one, it means to have our hearts strengthened with courage. To face the day. We read in verse 13. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. The King James says it this way. Wait for the Lord. 
Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. So when we wait on the Lord, he strengthens our hearts. And I know when I was in that Tuesday evening, you know, I should say Monday evening going into Tuesday, into Tuesday morning, and I was crying out to the Lord and just throughout the night, you know, uh, dealing with the pain and the anxiety and of like, Lord, what's going on here? Is this, is this it for me? Uh, it was in the morning. I woke up because I finally fell asleep with such a sense of peace. And I'm concerned, of course, when I'm praying about my physical heart at that time, but I was more concerned by far about my spiritual heart. Lord, help me just trust in you. And guess what? I was able to experience the peace that passes human understanding. I woke up resolved no matter what. The, I knew rationally I was in a good place because I'm trusting the Lord. But I was experiencing that supernatural abiding peace as to whether he took me or whether I stayed. I had this joy. I, I, I couldn't even explain it. It was like, wow, Lord, I just am full of peace right now no matter what you're going to do. And my heart was able to be strengthened through waiting on the Lord, just as we read here in verse 13. And when you have this anxiety, give it to the Lord. Cry out to him. He'll strengthen your heart. He'll give you courage. You know, and I got some peace. You know, I felt that the Lord had spoken to me that night, but I wasn't absolutely sure about, you know, what was going to happen with me. But I was good with the Lord. And I had just such peace. And, you know, then I, that's when I drove back into Thousand Oaks and then here in Simi Valley. But you know what one of the keys was? A huge key that we can sometimes miss in Philippians chapter 4 when it says to cast all your anxieties on him through prayer and supplication. Is verse 8 goes on to say, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and any worthy of pra- thing worthy of praise, think about these things. And it goes on to say, and for these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things before God, the God of peace. And the God of peace, he says, will be with you. So often we stop at verses 6 and 7. We cast our cares upon the Lord. But we forget to think on these things. Whatever is honorable, whatever is true first, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, and so forth. And the beauty for me in that night was after I gave these things to the Lord, I said, Lord, your will be done. Give me your peace. Instead of taking the burdens back, which we so often are prone to do. How often you cast your cares upon him, but then all of a sudden you take the, the burdens you've given him and put them back on your back and begin to worry all over again. That's why verse 8 is key. After you've given him to the Lord, now think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is praiseworthy. And then I was able to just give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to give it to you. And I'm going to focus on your word, which is true, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with you. If that's your will. It's very much better. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of your saints. So I was able to be encouraged by meditating upon those scriptures instead of taking those burdens back upon myself. And that's what I believe the Lord used to give me this abiding type of peace. So I want to encourage you to not pick up your trials all over again and recognize Psalm 73, verse 26 says this, My flesh and my heart may fail. I knew that. My flesh and my heart might fail. But God is the strength in my heart. But God is the strength in my heart and my portion forever. And that's the beauty. He gives us his peace. He gives us his heart and his love forever. 
And who knows? I mean, we've had these precious saints in the last couple years in this fellowship that are very young, that love Jesus, like Gina, sweetheart, you know, my, my brother's wife before she died, and Robert Severin and Lola, all amazing saints. And he took them early. So who's to say he won't take us early? But the key is, is waiting upon him, being right with him, and trusting him. And Psalm 25.3, I end with this verse. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. None who wait for you shall be put to shame. That's key. Keep waiting on the Lord, keep seeking him, and keep pressing on. And I have to admit I'm a little tired right now. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys. So I still covet your prayers, and my family does, and our loved ones do. Keep praying for one another. Press on in Jesus. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, put your trust in him. He gave himself for you. He died. He paid for your sins. He rose again. And the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Press on in Jesus. Love you guys. God bless you. Hope to see you again and again before glory. Love you.